for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Jay. And you're fired. Oh, sorry. I've just been hearing so much of that lately. Um, Yeah, I kind of felt like I had to say it, but... Yeah, yeah, it is very topical. I was JK. (laughs) Oh, good. I still have my job. Yay! Yay. Um... Yeah, so as uh, as Pete has so uh, overtly stated, um, some things have happened in the realm of employment uh, for the National Hockey League, specifically in certain head coaching positions uh, in the fall of Akeem Alou, uh coming out and uh, basically shedding more light than uh, than has ever been on a problem that we. Uh, I'd like to think that. We all knew about. We were saying it. We were. We were. It's. It, it's not about being unaware. It's about you know, somebody finally saying it. And and I think I think Alu is very deserving of the platform to raise the concerns about all of this. And um, it's obviously Peter uh, bringing out some change. Uh, it's also bringing out some ridiculousness. <laughs> So um, why don't you uh, give us a little update on uh, what the hell is happening? <laughs> All right. We, we, we only, you know, since we record every two weeks, um, you know, sometimes we're behind on news, obviously. Um, but uh, actually, this this last, uh, you know, this last episode uh, was was a little bit more than that because uh, basically like, I lost power uh, for several days because of a snowstorm. Uh, which was very fun. Um, and anyway, for this episode, we were we were hoping to have uh, a returning friend come back on uh, Miss Katie Strang. Um, she wanted to do it, but she was unable to uh, because she got pulled into uh, reporting about a, a story that I'm sure will be coming out in the near future. But uh, we are we're, we're planning to get her on hopefully the next episode, which will probably be right after the holidays. Um, so this this episode is just going to be Jay and me. Basically, uh, what we wanted to talk about to start off with, and like I said, because you know we record every every couple weeks, um, we know that a lot of you have heard about this by now, and you probably heard a lot about it, and we don't want to belabor any points and stuff. But you know, since it's important, I mean, it's something that we feel like we have to have to cover. So um, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs fired their head coach Mike Babcock. Right. Who, uh, you know, we know that since this podcast is on the Red Wings uh, network, uh, you know, the Winging It Motown network, that many of our listeners are Red Wings fans. And so um, obviously there's been a lot of discussion about Babcock because he, you know, obviously used to be the Red Wings coach. And even before this, um, this stuff uh, surfaced that we're going to be talking about in just a minute, um, you know, there is a lot of. different fan feelings about Mike Babcock. A lot of people felt that he didn't do as much as he could have with the talent level that he had on the Red Wings. So some fans, you know, were not big fans of him, uh, but, you know, when, and, and we're pretty glad when he left. 
Um, obviously other, other fans were, were big fans of him. You know, he has a, he had a very good reputation in the national hockey league. He coached team Canada, you know, multiple times. Um, and you know, when you're talking about, you know, coaches for, you know, for a long time, he was considered one of the ones that, you know, if you can get him, he's going to make a difference for your team. Um, and basically after he was fired, there were, um, there were reports that came out, uh, stories that came out about the, the ways that he handled players. Um, one of the things was that he had Mitch Marner come in and fill out a list of who he thought were the hardest working players on the team, all the way down to the least hardworking player. And he then revealed that list to the players with Marner there, et cetera, um, so basically it was, there was a lot of mind games, um, which, you know, there's a, there's a place for psychology, you know, there's a place for working with people and tr maybe trying to get in their head a little bit, but then there's a, there's a line and something like that kind of seemed like it crossed the line. Um, it, it crossed the line for me. I know some people defended it and, you know, people can have varying opinions, but some of the other stuff that has come out. Um, there was a story from Johan Franzen that uh, basically Babcock uh, berated him so much um, and was, you know, playing with his mind so much that he had like a nervous breakdown in the in the locker room and on the bench. Um, and it's been corroborated by other people. Um, there's been some stories that have been, um, you know, you know, one of the things that's hard for an outsider like us is that we have to, you know, we have to go with this, the, the, the information we have. And, you know, basically there was a story about how, um, uh, you know, Chris Chelios told a story about how Ken Holland came down and said that if you want to, you know, if you don't like him as your coach, you can come request a trade. And Ken Holland later said that, um, that that was a different time. But then if you, you know, if you read the article, there's an article that, that had a lot of Ken Holland quotes and basically it just doesn't add up. Right. You know, like there's something more to the story. Like we're not getting all the details and it's kind of hard to make a really, like a really clear judgment because of that. But at the same time, like something seems like it's really bad. Like it kind of seems like Holland probably should have known, uh, known better. And like I said, this is hard. I'm trying to, 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 to put a whole bunch of stuff together. Um, and then uh, Bill Peters, uh, word came out about Bill Peters, uh, I think punching a player on the bench, right? It, it, I, some of these things kind of blend together. Um, yeah, I know the, the, well, there was the a thing with like the racial, the racial slurs yeah. that he was using towards yep. um, Akeem Alou uh, that you had mentioned before. Um, and, and again, like, you know, it's been a while, you know, if you haven't heard about it, you can go read the articles like there. There's a lot of details now. And, um, you know, so he you know, he he lost his job. Um, and recently, I mean, you know, there, there's been so much happening uh, recently. Jim Montgomery was fired. Um, we don't know exactly why. Uh, there's been a lot of like it, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things where they're saying like, well, it's not this and it's not this. But we're not going to tell you what it is, you know, and yep. suppose like from from what I've been able to gather, the best explanation is that the reason that they're doing that is to protect somebody else, like protect another person, uh, maybe the person who either reported it or somebody who is like a victim of it. Um, and again, of it, like we don't even know what it is. Um, so 
that's that's kind of a weird situation. So basically, Jay, this this whole you know this whole past couple weeks has been uh, kind of a, a, a tumultuous week or tumultuous time in in the NHL. So uh, I'm going to stop talking after about 18 minutes um, and throw it to you because I don't want this segment to go on for too long. Um, but, you know, there's some more things we want to talk about. So, well, you know, what are your thoughts on kind of the overall situation um, with this? Uh, some people have called it like a reckoning or, you know, for lack of a better term, that's going on. Right. Uh, I, I will say that, yes, first of all, our listeners are very um, – smart people, and I'm sure that they're uh, abreast of the situation, and um, I'm I, I'm sure Pete and I both agree that this, this isn't exactly something that we wanted to be too uh, repetitive or too, you know, on, on, uh, on, on a rant about, because, you know, yes, at the end of the day, like, we still wanted to say something. We we felt that it's our, uh, you know, our podcasting duty to let you know that we are aware, <laughs> we are in the know. And uh, the, and we just wanted to let you know how we feel about it because it's important to talk about these situations, especially because we're all fans of the sport and 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 wanting to see it be better. We want to see it do better, and it's uh, kind of a shame that it just keeps sideshow Bob stepping on rakes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're, they're kind of left to just act reactively instead of proactively, which I would really like to see the NHL kind of change their tune on instead of being reactive to events that come out. Let's be proactive. Let's not wait for a problem to be a problem to then address the problem and then think that you're actually accomplishing something. It's like, ah, oh, pat myself on the back. I solved a problem. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you caused yeah. the problem. You are fireman and arsonist. That is not how you do this. <laughs> so, um, uh, I, as you were saying, kind of at the start of this, the Babcock stuff is uh, tremendously disappointing. Uh, I, I I like to think that for the most part, yes, he can still be a good guy out of all of this. You know, yes, we're all you know trying to give people benefit of the doubt and stuff, but I, I, I'm not saying that that excuses anything of what he does. I I, I just want to I want to believe that in that this sort of thing can teach him to evolve and maybe actually become a better coach than he was. I mean, there's the, the, notice that there's not a lot of people saying, you know, oh, his coaching, you know, he, he's a bad coach. Like, I think overall, like his opinion of being a coach is kind of unchanged. It's just that he did some shitty things. So yeah, like, and like, like, yeah, no, no, just, just real quick. Just cause like, um, I'm going to forget if I don't say this now. Um, cause I want to jump in on what you said about how, you know, there is the possibility that, you know, Babcock can come out of this, um, you know, without being kind of shunned for all time. Um, and I think the key is, and this has not happened yet to the best of my best of my knowledge, is the one like the, the one way to do that, because it is possible. You know, we are all we're all, you know, faulty humans. We are all, you know, people who make mistakes, some larger than others. Obviously, these were, you know, very big mistakes. Um you know, but people have done horrible things and have come back and, and been, you know, lived really good lives and helped people, etc. But I think the one big thing that hasn't happened is accountability. You know, yes, everybody seems to be passing the buck and trying to, like, you know, not take ownership. It's like, well, I didn't really know or it wasn't really this bad. And, you know, we had Daniel Carcillo on the show. Um, and I actually I've been reaching out to him a little bit, but obviously he's been I, I, I reached out to him probably a couple days before that all this broke. Um, and 
for those of you who follow along on social media, you, you know, Daniel Carcillo has been at the forefront of this, getting stories from people who now feel like they're able to kind of share their stories of abuse, et cetera. Um, and, you know, he had a he had a tweet where he said, you know, I was I was a racist. I was a homophobe. I was a bigot. I was an abuser. You know, he said, I have. I have looked in the mirror and realized that I was doing those horrible things. I have taken ownership of it. I have made amends. I have found everybody I possibly could and apologized for what I did. And, you know, he even says, like, if I hurt you, please tell me so I can apologize to you. Like, that is how you take ownership. And Mike Babcock could do that. You know, he if he owns up to what he did and he takes accountability and he says, here's what I did wrong and here's what I'm going to do better. And I'm going to try to, you know, work to make sure this stuff like this doesn't happen in the future. Then, yeah, absolutely. He could. The problem is I don't really see I don't really see that happening based on what we've seen so far. And I, I would like to be wrong, you know. Right. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and, I, and I would like for there to be some sort of. You know, it'd be really nice if there was either like some sort of societal contract or, you know, collective bargaining agreement thing talking about, you know, their needs. It's really hard to enforce that type of thing because it's like that's it's like that sort of thing. OK, say you're sorry. OK, I'm sorry. Hey, you didn't mean it. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. like how, how do we how do we properly uh, get the type of, you know, we we obviously want this to be a, a learning moment, not just for him, but for everybody that's going to come after him, right? So, yeah, uh, Babcock does a bunch of things that are considered uh, rude, um, on on sportsmanlike, you know, and anything you can you can call them, and and it's true. And the idea is that you know it, 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 we obviously aren't trying to you know publicly flog people. We just want to like. You know, at the end of the day, being able to step forward with with humility and uh, courage to admit that you've made a mistake and you want to be better for it. And then you're not only wanting to be better for it, you're going to work to be better for it. That's the type of stuff that people really latch on to. That's the type of stuff. It's, you know, think about all the debates that we've had, Peter, about like, you know, random random tweets from people getting dug up from years ago. And it's like, oh, man, this person is no good because they said that 10 years ago. And it's like, well, the biggest thing that people tend to forget when those arguments get caught up is what have they done since? Yeah. What have they done since the incident? So right now we're obviously still fresh from the Babcock stuff. So obviously his his legacy or his immediate future will be determined by what he chooses to do next. I'm of the mind that I'd like to believe in the best of people. And I think that with enough, you know, proper awareness about this issue, because, this, you know, it, it kind of stinks because, yes, the, the media, for better or for worse, does have a tendency to blast something in your face. And you're it's kind of overwhelming and you're not allowed to really kind of like take a moment to process it yourself. It's just kind of this relentless beatdown of like, say you're sorry, say you're sorry. And it's like, I want to think about what I want to say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Please let me be like have a chance to like own up to what I'm doing and then I can come out and, and, and announce or explain or further dedicate myself to being better. So, you know, all the stuff with Babcock, it's really disappointing. Um, I mean, all the Franz and stuff, it was just, it's just heartbreaking to read. I just feel so sorry for the guy. And, you know, like I saw him recently at a, at a Red Wings game, he, uh, I was walking around the, the upper, uh, gondola area near the, uh, organ player. And I saw Franzen and, 
you know, like I, I, I'm surprised that he's able to blend in as much as he can because he's a big dude. He's a big, <laughs> tall Swedish person. And but he's you know, he's got his Nicholas Cranwell specs on and he's got, you know, a cardigan over a nice button up shirt. You know, he just he just kind of blends into the crowd now. But, you know, he was smiling. And, you know, granted, this was before I read about all the stuff that he was saying about Babcock. So, like, you know, yeah, it kind of sucks because, you know, this is the type of thing that when someone's recovering, you kind of want them to have as many positive and many encouraging experiences as possible. And then all of a sudden, if you wake up one day and then there's a reporter asking you like, Hey, remember that terrible thing that happened to you? Well, it's now more relevant. Would you mind talking about that terrible thing that happened to you? I just, I just hope that he is okay throughout all this. And I, and I, again, and that just speaks to the larger thing that I want to say is that everybody affected by this stuff. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I am. I am above and beyond heartbroken that there are so many things that have happened behind closed doors and then some stuff that happened in open doors. And there's just a culture of people that are content with maintaining and growing a poor uh, culture inside the sport. You know, I, I forget who I, I saw tweeting, it, but they were saying like, oh, this is a this is a bad day for the sport or whatever and all that stuff. And someone was kind of quick to correct. It's like. First of all, it's not the sport that's the problem. It's the people running it. It's the culture surrounding it. The game's great. The game itself is fantastic. I love watching hockey. I love playing hockey. But the people in charge of it are the ones that need to be held accountable. So in the fallout of all this stuff, you know, we saw that the, the half-assed apology from Bill Peters. It wasn't even a direct apology to the person affected by all of this. So, you know, I, I feel like right now the the – large directive I think for most of these teams is just damage control not actually owning up to it just damage control and I don't think that's the right way to go about it so I I certainly hope that changes um uh, I think it was on the last wing at Motown radio JJ had said something about you know maybe it's not about apologizing for what's happened it would just be nice if someone from the wings organization came out and said that is not happening now and it won't happen any further it would yeah. be nice to have that some have have something of that sort come out from the team and all teams. Hmm. But, you know, this is the problem with hockey men. Yeah. Hashtag hockey men. So. Yeah. And actually, that's a really good transition to the last thing we're going to talk about before our first break, um, which is that yesterday in the publication of The Athletic, um, there's an article that, that was written by Justin Bourne and uh the response to this article was very interesting because there's a lot of people saying, yes, this is 100% right. And there's a lot of people saying, this is garbage. Um, and I know Jay and I are very squarely in the latter camp. Um, so the article is called How Much Physical Contact Between a Coach and His Pro Player is Too Much. And again, I like the problem is I think I could rant about this for a half hour and I don't want to. Um, so basically... Um, I, as always, I mean, like I'm, I'm a teacher. I always encourage my students if I'm talking about something to read it for themselves, you know? So as always, uh, you know, you can go on, you can read this for yourself. Um, but basically he's talking about how one of the stories that came out was, or some of these stories about Mark Crawford, which is not surprising to me at all. Um, there was like a story from Brent Sopel that he kicked him in the back when he was on the bench. Um, there's been other stories of, uh, you know, coaches hitting, hitting players, uh, you know, more than, okay. Um, more than just like grabbing you on the shoulder and saying you're up next or, you know, I mean, whatever the, whatever the term is, you know, whatever the, 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 you know, the, the saying is, um, 
you know, like, like you know, you got next up. Um, and basically, the 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 main problem I have with this is that he kind of he takes he takes an idea that that makes sense originally. It makes sense on his face, which is that a professional sports workplace is not exactly the same as like an office. Sure, absolutely. Okay, like for example. So I'm just going to use the example uh, that I just used. You know, my supervisor at my high school is not going to come in and as I'm standing in front of my classroom, grab my shoulder and, you know, kind of push me into the classroom, you know, and say, hey, go, you know, go get them. That's not going to happen. Right. However, stuff like that happens. But that is a lot different than hitting a player in the back of the head. You know, what I mean, like, uh, you know, because some of these things are basically like like the coach, like, you know, hit a player in the back of the helmet on the bench or like, again, kick him in the back. Right. That's different. Um, and and there is a, there is a line. Right. But basically the the Bourne article is kind of making it sound like this is a special this is a special world and your world, your real world, you know, your real world rules don't apply. And I don't think that's the case. And I think that's I. I think he's taking an argument or he's taking he's taking an idea that could have been made a lot better and could have actually been a very interesting look. But he's just kind of wiping everything with this really broad brush and it ends up just kind of being like, well, you don't understand because you don't play hockey. Yeah, and um, I, I, I kind of put off reading this article for a bit because I there were just so many better summations of the article but you know in the interest of fairness i did wanted to read what was going on here and yeah you're right pete it basically just amounts to because you don't know what it's like you can't have an opinion on it and i (laughs) i think the exact text i sent you was i don't understand how an article can go that long thinking that it's making a good point (laughs) yeah so uh, it, it it was really frustrating to see, you know, some of the people that I follow. And I know this is frustrating for you too. Some of the people retweeting it, either kind of in in agreement or or at least in terms of a, you know, like, oh, this is kind of an interesting way. And I, and you know, it was kind of just dis- a little more than disappointed to see because you know, there's we are obviously seeing a sea change in how information and events and experiences and incidents are being revealed. Uh, to the public, you know, there's all these people talking about like, well, I guess I can't do this. You know, I got, uh, I got to pretend I got a target on my back. And it's like, buddy, if that's what you think, then you deserve to get nailed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of ridiculous, uh, points made in, in the Bourne article, but, uh, you know, the whole part about it being, it, it just speaks to a larger issue, which is thinking that, the hockey world is this nether region that the the public is has no passage into and that what happens here is you know it happens under you know like think of it like you're going to Kronos to face a trial under Klingon law well Klingon law is different Klingons do things differently the Klingon empire does shit differently and yeah and you're just like well I mean no no <laughs> yeah like yeah you've done that but that doesn't mean that's gonna fly ever yeah, again. Like- it's like we've always done it this way. Well, that doesn't mean it's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that maybe would, it was always was, bad. <laughs> yeah, that was it's like where is the the random person to just always hand be like, hey, maybe it was just bad in the first place. Um, I remember there was a 
there was a tweet about hockey practices recently, and it was saying, you know, like why we have a certain practice at a certain time or whatever. And and the guy was like, it reminds me of when, you know, I I, I cook ham by cutting it into squares. And then I asked one day, well, why do you do that? He says, well, my mom did it. And then I asked my mom why she did it. It was like, oh, because I didn't have enough, I, I didn't have a large enough pan to cook the ham in. So I had to cut it into squares for people to cook. So it's like, wait a minute, the environment has changed, which means you can do stuff differently now. <laughs> yeah. You're not beholden to all of these things. So, you know, when we're talking about, you know, and, and it's, it, it, Pete, it's laughable how much like positivity that it's getting because we're still talking about something physical here. Like if we're talking about like maybe the logistics of how to make a hockey schedule and like, you don't know our workplace, you don't know how it is. Okay. I'll raise my hand and say, you know what? You're right. I don't know enough about the subject of schedule making or about organizing a team charter or any of that stuff. But we're talking about clerical or organizational type deeds. Sure. Yes. Maybe you get to throw up your, you don't know my life story. But when it comes to physical violence, there's nothing that can justify nothing, nothing at all. And to to be a hockey person and to use your hockey person cred to stand up and say, I did this. We've always did this. This is the way, you know, I had to make a Mandalorian reference at some point in this. That was, you know, but, you know, and, and to like stand up and like think that that's the right thing to do. That's dumb. That's that's crappy. (laughs) You know, imagine that I am I am the child cooing. Yeah, yeah. Which you will understand if you ever watch it with subtitles. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's long and short. It's a disappointing article. But what's but what is encouraging, Peter, is the amount of people that knew that it was disappointing and immediately called it out. And I think that I think that message is getting boosted far bigger than the article itself. I read some of the comments in, in the article and. You know, yeah, it's really tough to see people are like, yeah, man, you know, hockey's got its thing. You just got to buy into it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to buy into a scenario where I'm trying to do the thing that I love. And one of the, you know, oh, sorry, this is just the way it is type things I have to agree with is, yeah, I'm going to get beat up. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No. And we're not talking about beat up like, yes, hockey is a physical sport. This is why people probably think that they have as much of an argument about this. Oh, because hockey is a physical sport. The sport will deal in absolutes like, oh, because it's physical. You have to dole out physical communication. No. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) So there you go. There, there, there's a lot going on. And and probably by the time that we have our next uh, next podcast, there will be even more. So when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about some of the most lopsided trades in NHL history. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. So, um... Just before the break, uh, we said that we were going to talk about some of the most lopsided trades in NHL history. Um, so fans that listen to our show who are Detroit Red Wings fans 
probably know the reference uh, or the reason that we are talking about this, um, because as we record this on Friday, um, Robbie Fabry has scored again, twice again. Uh, actually, technically, Neil Pionk scored both goals uh, for him, but uh, he was credited <laughs> with both goals. So um, like I joked last night, uh, Neil Pionk is now tied for 10th in the um, the Red Wings in goals. Um, <laughs> but Robbie Fabry has been almost a point per game since being acquired um, for. Uh, uh, oh, my God. Uh, Delarose. Jacob Delarose. Yeah. Jacob Delarose. Like I, I had the name. I just couldn't remember his first name for some reason because I haven't ty- I haven't typed in a while. Um, I believe as we record this, uh, Fabry is 14 points in 16 games or something like that. So, yeah, he's been doing pretty well. He's been doing uh, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, and so the trade has become very, you know, it's it's become almost a joke at this point. Uh, it's been, you know, one of the examples of, of one of the more lopsided trades in recent memory, uh, especially for Detroit Red Wings fans. Um, so we thought it would be interesting to take a look back at some of the most lopsided trades uh, in NHL history. And we are not necessarily going for like we are saying these are the worst um, or the most lopsided. We're saying these are ones that we think are, are interesting for whatever reason. Um, so, Jay, uh, why don't you take it away? Uh, what do you got first? Well, first of all, I just want to say that don't feel too bad about forgetting Jacob Rose's name because when you trade a player and then you're instantly dazzled by the player you got in return, it's okay to forget players' names. It's, yes. <laughs> so I wish him the best. He's probably a very nice guy, but don't beat yourself up. Um, so, uh, you know, kind of looking at the way Fabry has had instant impact that was kind of one of the things I was looking for in, um, you know, in, in terms of trying to, to, to see like, okay, so how do you like what, what I think instant impact is the thing that I was, I was, you know, kind of thinking of the most when um, I was looking at some of these trades and I, I, I think the pronger trade mm-hmm. to, uh, to Anaheim, that's probably an, <laughs> an instant impact thing. <laughs> Um, mostly because that year he helped them win the cup and it's not something I like to talk about a lot. So <laughs> thanks Fabry for making me revisit crappy memories, but you know, <laughs> he, he was reaching, uh, he was like at, you know, not really at his peak, but he's still a very good defenseman. And, and, um, uh, from what I understand, they get the, the, the ducks gave up very, very little, <laughs> the, cause, uh, let's see, there's a reason they always have, cause the uh, Pronger went to Anaheim, and uh, the Oilers got Joffrey Lupul, Ladislav Smead, and uh, two draft picks. Hmm. And uh, I don't think that they've started to build the Joffrey Lupul Leaf statue yet. Um, I think we'll wait to hear back on that. Uh, <laughs> Smead, I just whenever I heard him, whenever I heard a broadcaster say his name, I was immediately uh, thinking of Peter Pan. Smead. <laughs> uh, so, so I thought that was fun. So that that's my first one. I just, you know, when you when you acquire a big name like that, and then you know it just happens to be the same year that you can win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I say that's a pretty big trade. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my first one is, um, you know, this is not a one for one trade, but I think that this is. This is one of the more interesting ones to me in ter- for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, and this involves my, my boyhood team, the New York Islanders. In 2001, the New York Islanders traded um, Bill Muckalt and another Great player. Name. Great name. 
another player and a first round draft pick in exchange for Alexi Yashin. The other player was Zidane Chara. So <laughs> now, obviously, we know that um, Chara ended up getting flipped to Boston or not flipped. Uh, you know, he, he played with uh, Ottawa for a while. Um, but, uh, you know, he played 299 career games in Ottawa and then he went to Boston and we know what happened. Then he became the captain, um, you know, Stanley Cups, etc. Um, probably the most it, it, it's hard to say, because obviously when you're talking about like, you know, I don't want to say like the best defenseman because I think Nicholas Lidstrom was. But, you know, maybe the most dominant player you know just because of how big he was like you know when he's out there it's almost like playing with one and a half defensemen you know because his reach is yeah. so long uh you know yeah. he's so big his reach is so long that you know he's just um you know such a different type of player um from you know i mean obviously you know there's there's been some you know kind of big defensemen since then you know but he was the first really giant guy that could skate and and do everything well um and uh, to add insult to injury, the, uh, the the draft pick ended up being Jason Spezza. Um, so uh, meanwhile, Yashin played. Uh, now, it's not like he played horrible with the Islanders. He had, you know, actually almost a point a game. He had 290 in 346 uh, career games. Um, but then uh, he ended up getting bought out. Um, so. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, especially in the in the first few years for the Islanders, you know, he he was a he was an important player, but at the same time, you know, you you gave up a franchise cornerstone defenseman. Um, so that's my first one. What's what's your second one? My second one is it's it's a one for one that you could probably ask either player and say that's when the end began. <laughs> uh, I'm referring, of course, to the Danny Heatley for Martin Havlat trade. Uh, putting Heatley in the soda and uh, Havlet out west. And um, it's really funny because it's a classic, like, oh, it's going to be one for one. And then crickets, <laughs> lots and lots of crickets, because uh, Havlet uh, continued to be very injured all the time. And just Heatley just was not Heatley ever again. And uh, it was uh, really funny to be like, kind of watching from afar and be like, oh, that's cute. They're trying to make something happen. And nothing happened. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say the Red Wings didn't have some sort of a, um, you know, domino effect uh, part in the downfall of Martin Havlett. I think we all know where I'm going with this one. Mm. Uh, Detroit v. Chicago. Martin Havlett puts himself in a position that, Mar uh, that uh, Nicholas Cronwell has uh, often exploited uh, it's the photo for the uh, very funny motivational poster that I've seen sold on the internet. Uh, Cronwald, you know, with the definition underneath to be obliterated. <laughs> da, da, da. And um, every time I watch that, I, I, I still get increasingly flummoxed at how Havlat was able to live mm. after that because of how quickly there was a scrum over his mostly unconscious body. I yeah. it's just like like he was a rag doll. His eyes like his eyes were like rolling in the back of his head. You know, here's the Blackhawks coming in, trying to, you know, like step up and defend their guy. But I feel like at one point, a couple of Hawks should have been like, can we move the victim away from the giant brawl, please? <laughs> so, but of course it didn't happen because Chicago is stupid and they'll forever be stupid. So there you go. Awesome. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's my second one. What's, what's yours? Um, 
my second one is, uh, and again, because of the impact, right? Um, yeah. The 1980 trade where the Los Angeles Kings traded Butch Goring to New York Islanders for Billy Harris and Dave Lewis. Um, and as we all know, the New York Islanders would go on to win four straight Stanley Cups. Um, so it's it's interesting because it's not that it's not that Butch Goring was like this, you know, unbelievable superstar. Right. You know, it's not like they brought him in and he was, you know, I mean, obviously on their team, you know, they had Bossy and Trottier and, uh, you know, Potvin, et cetera. Um, you know, he wasn't like it, it wasn't like they brought in like Marion Hosa, you know, like like they brought in like this huge scorer. Um, right. But at the same time, I mean, he you know, he he had 62 points in 78 playoff games right during that run. I mean, that's a lot. Um, yep. You know, so. Uh, you know, you know, he was a supporting piece, but he was obviously a, a, a critical supporting piece. It was a very important uh, supporting piece. Uh, in fact, he even won the Conn Smythe in 1981. So, um, and actually, you know, to this day, he is still involved with the Islanders. He is their, uh, he is their, their, uh, their, their color commentator on the uh, on Fox Sports New York. I think it's Fox Sports New York. I always forget what it's called. MSG Fox Sports New York, something like that. Uh, <laughs> you know how it is. Fox Garden TV. That's that's what yeah. they call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you know, but, but he is their uh he is their their color commentator. Um and you know, so he's been around the organization for a long time. Uh so yeah, I mean and, and, and again, it's it's not that you know, just like the other one, it's not like it's not like uh, you know, Dave Lewis and, and Billy Harris were, were like not good players for LA. They were, but LA didn't win four straight Stanley Cups after the trade. So um, they did not. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a difference. Um, all right. Uh, so that's two for each of us. Right. So what's your last one? Well, I think this one's like you can't have this conversation without talking about this one. I think OK, you know exactly. Which what I'm talking about, because it's it's the genesis point for pretty much all of the, the way Twitter uh, reacts to moves like this. And which is the Taylor Hall for Adam Larson deal. Uh, what's funny is the article that I looked up to catch up on this. Uh, <laughs> I think was written almost immediately in the aftermath of that trade, and it only has it ranked seventh on this top 15 list. But what's funny is it ends with, many are already calling this a huge win for New Jersey, but we'll have to see how Larson develops first. Uh, uh, because I, I like to, you know, pause for dramatic effect. I'll just let people think about that for a moment. Just, you know, and think about all the all the ground that has been traveled. <laughs> since. Exactly. So, um, yeah, this is uh, a, a cl classic Hall of Fame one for one that uh, like one for one as in one side got the deal for one side. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is uh, uh, obviously, you know, it, if I was going to redesign the Hockey Hall of Fame, which I've wanted to do for many, many years now, uh, this is like the type of uh, ancillary uh, like exhibit wing that I want to make, which is just all about player movement, all about where players started, where they ended up. And like, this would have its own like little kiosk thing. You know, for those of you who, uh, uh, have seen the movie interstellar, how it does a bunch of testimonials about people. And you think they're talking about the dust bowl when in fact they are talking about the dust bowl, just, you know, the one in the future that, uh, if we don't get our act together, we'll be living in real life. So, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, just people that like, I feel like you could just talk to anybody like, Oh yeah, I was, 
having some coffee and my phone went off and it's and it's Bob McKenzie and you know I follow Bob McKenzie all the time and he's and I read this and I was like Bob McKenzie you got to be kidding me and <laughs> so I, I I think this I think this one deserves a very special place uh in the in the halls of um player trades and stuff so um I, I don't really have to go about it too much more I think all of you are aware of it and how funny and comical it is and um I, I'm I'm now curious what Pete's third is because I I almost thought we were going to do it again because I think there was early on in our career we would <laughs> we would pick this <laughs> we'd pick the same thing in these lists and then we'd be like okay well that's it we did it oh man um the the last one I talked about the the Butch Goring one was obviously a a very you know good part of my childhood um, I I was technically alive during those Stanley Cup runs but I don't really remember um, so you know I've gone back and watched them etc uh, but um, this last one I think I kind of feel like I have to include it even though like I don't think it's the worst trade in even in their franchise history. Um, but I think it's it was just an incredibly impactful one on the hockey world uh, and in a way that really hurt Islander fans, unfortunately. So if you're an Islander fan and you're listening, I apologize for bringing up these memories. Um, I'm talking about 1991. I'm talking about the Rangers sending Louis DeBrusque, Stephen Rice and Bernie Nichols to the Edmonton Oilers for Mark Messier. Woo, it's a big one. And since it's 1991... Right. You know that uh, several years later, uh, Messier would go on to uh, be the captain of the Rangers when they won their uh, their Stanley Cup, um, their first one since 1940 and their last one since then. <laughs> their first one since 1940 and their only other one since 1940 uh, thus far. Um you know, he, uh, in, you know, in addition to doing, uh, you know, in addition to winning the Stanley Cup, you know, he scored 515 uh, points in 422 games. Uh, and then he he also won the Hart Trophy. He won the Ted Lindsay Trophy. Um, you know, so, you know, obviously as a as an Islander fan, I grew up hating the Rangers. Um, but, you know, the New York market is obviously a major market in the world. And, you know, having the New York Rangers win the Stanley Cup was a a very big deal for hockey in terms of kind of like a nationwide and kind of uh, worldwide uh, focus. Um, so as as hard as it was for me to, to watch, um, I do think I have to admit that that was a a, a big moment for hockey. Um, and I'm going to stop talking about it now so I don't have to remember those. I don't have to feel those feelings. Oh, yeah. That's cute. So we're going to take one more break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to take a quick look around the league before we get out of here. And we've returned. So um, as of last night, you all might have been hearing kind of a high pitched ringing in your ears um that's the sound of cat silverman informing the planet that as of last night your arizona coyotes have sole possession of first place in the national league of hockey stuff this is really <laughs> cool I, I i i think this is i think this is great wait in the Give, pacific division right 
Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. Oh, you the, said that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I said the National League of of hockey things. I I I wanted to give them some credit, but not all the credit. But yes, <laughs> if you want the specific physical definition, yes, they have first overall in the Pacific Division. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna so, say, wait, uh, did I miss something here? <laughs> Do I need to refresh so, uh, my standings? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you might. It's uh, it's weird because we felt like we've been talking so long that like it feels yeah. like days have passed. So, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Arizona is number one in the Pacific. Uh, they are two points up on Edmonton and Calgary, who are tied for second and third. Um, this is really awesome. I hope it continues uh, it, because what's nice is, uh, and Peter, I don't know if you know this, the only way that Arizona's postseason, if they can hang on to this, could end is if they met the Red Wings in the cup final. Because <laughs> remember, every time that Arizona made the playoffs the last couple of times, it was the Wings who uh, kind of told them no. So so that's fun. Um, so uh, that kind of kicks off our uh, last segment here of us just kind of, you know, let's look around the league. Let's see what everybody's doing. And I will say as a, as a side note, um, my co-host Peter uh, recently watched a... Uh, special with Patton Oswalt and has decided to assign a Patton Oswalt characteristic to the way that I speak. And I will say this definitively that I came up with the high speaking thing before Patton Oswalt did. I have no evidence to back this up except my pride. <laughs> so, um, Pete, uh, what's, what's sticking out to you as you look across this, uh, league other than the fact that, Oh, I don't know. The Red Wings have a minus 59 goal differential. <laughs> Is that bad? Oh. <laughs> that seems bad. Oh. Um, I just have to. I just have to check something real quick. Yes. Um, if you if you take the uh, the the other two worst goal differentials in the NHL and you add them together, it's only six goals worse than the Red Wings right now. Because <laughs> New Jersey is negative thirty seven, yeah. and then. Uh, San Jose is negative 28. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, Pete Tabor got fired in San Jose. Uh, there, there's been so many coaches firings that we can't fit them all in. Uh, so we will fit them in, in this segment. Um, so, yes, I, I just want to point out that I did predict uh, going into the season uh, that Arizona would make the playoffs this year. Um, so I'm looking pretty good there. However, uh, as we know, uh, just like Icarus, I will be proven to have uh, flown too close <laughs> to the sun. And I will crash and burn uh, when my wings melt. So uh, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking around the league, there's some, there's definitely some interesting things we have um, in the Atlantic division, right? Obviously Boston is number one, uh, which is not too surprising. You know, people, um, most people predicted them to at least be in the top three. Uh, but what is surprising is the next two teams because you have Buffalo and you have Montreal and both of them are ahead of Tampa, who is ahead of Florida, who is ahead of Toronto. Um, so <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs have dug themselves quite a bit of a hole um, before firing Mike Babcock. And uh, they they came out of the gate under new coach Sheldon Keefe uh, kind of red hot and they have cooled down since then. So it's going to be really interesting to see if Toronto can dig their way back um into the playoffs, and if they do, if they have to face Boston in the first round again, because boy, won't that be fun! Um, oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, you know, uh, again, uh, the Islanders in second place in the, in the Metro. Um, 
kind of a repeat of last year. People didn't really think that they were going to, um, you know, be in the same position they were last year, but they are. Uh, so again, I think, you know, you have to, uh, at this point, I mean, you have to kind of give it up for Barry Trotz uh, and his coaching staff, um, because they have obviously implemented, uh, you know, systems that are working for that team and the players are buying in and they're, they're doing really well. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting storyline to follow to see if that continues. You have Carolina, um, right now in, uh, third in the Metro, right? So right now in, in, in playoff contention, uh, there's there's a couple teams that are there. Uh, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh and Philly are, are t- either tied or one point behind, right? So, um, you know that's a that that's a race that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, uh, what else you got? Anything anything else jump out at you from looking around the league? Well, I guess I'm disappointed that I keep looking at these standings and I keep looking at them with the baseball wild card frame of reference and not the actual hockey frame of reference because I'm looking at this with like, oh man, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia are going to play a one-off game to get into the playoffs. It's going to be, oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Okay. That's significantly less interesting. But um, I do think it's, uh, you know, depending upon... So let's see. They're not. Um, are they both in the same division? I forget. Pittsburgh and Philly. Um, uh, Pittsburgh and Philly. Yeah. Okay. So that would be the Metro, right? Um, uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So my my first thought was it actually would be kind of fun to see that race because then if that's if they stay the two top two wild card teams, I think it'd be pretty funny to see if they are like in a dead heat and they pretty much have to decide who gets to go face the buzz saw that is the Washington Capitals. <laughs> it's, it's like the one game where they both set up the one, three, one. Like, no, nobody wants to score. The winner of this game will be by complete accident. Um, so, so I, I think that could be kind of fun. Um, I don't know about you Pete, but I'm, I'm feeling like Tampa Bay is just like kind of biding its time to kind of start playing oh i don't know the giant killer hockey that they were playing last year so um you know they're they're still you know they got a good goal differential they got a they've got you know like they're not that far out of like you know taking a a top uh a top spot in 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 their division so you know i'm kind of interesting it's kind of interested to see when they kind of flip the switch i don't know if it's just kind of a Hey, we're kind of waiting to see what the rest, you know, it's, you know, like you're deciding to go out that night. You're like, well, you know, if Tommy and, and Steve are going to go out, I mean, I guess I'll go, but you know, if they're <laughs> not going out. I, I might, I might stay in. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess I'm a little surprised at how well um, Washington's doing. Cause I, I don't know. I just, I'm still surprised that Ovechkin is alive after all the celebrating that I saw him do. <laughs> you know, I, I know we're, I know we're like a year and a half removed from that, but like, they went hard, and for this type of bounce back, only like a year later, that's that's impressive. I, I like that a lot. Um, I love seeing Carolina where they are. I hope they I hope they stay that way. Um, you know, looking where Detroit is, Pete. I think it's safe to say that maybe we're under the radar, employing the just lock up the the best odds before the new year strategy. That way, you know, the rest of the year can just kind of be like, hey, all, the only way to go is up. You know, just like you don't want to ruin a good thing while it's happening. Um, So I'll ask you this question with the coaching change with, uh, with, with San Jose, do you think they get their act together and, and do something and and go on like a better run? Or do you think that's 
Because I was reading that Doug Wilson was like, we have not lost hope. And I'm like, I would maybe kind of lose hope. (laughs) But uh, again, we've we've seen teams do ridiculous things. Last year being a prime example, an unrealistic and by no means should be used as any serious metric for what happened last year because to use what the blues did last year as any as any sort of cornerstone is like okay yeah yes teams can go on a tear to put them to get themselves out of a rut but that's not that's not what you plan to do you don't plan to suck until january and then all of a sudden be very very good or if you knew that you could win out almost right Hmm. i'm just talking silly so (laughs) um yeah I, i i feel like vancouver is is gonna surprise us. That's my feeling. They're only they're only four points out. For some reason, they've been like kind of very good, mm. like very decent. That's and that's but that's because Pedersen is Pedersen. So you know, we'll 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 see what what happens there. But other than that, it feels like it's bu- mostly business as usual. You know, kind of outside of Arizona taking taking over number one in the Pacific because that's that's pretty cool. I, I'm I'm trying. I'm I'm sure we can do the math, but. You know, it has been a little bit since they've been number one, maybe ever in in that division. So that's that's really cool, and um, I look forward to uh, cheering them on if they yeah. could play the if they could play the Jets <laughs> in some fashion. That would be fun. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we we are the places where the Jets <laughs> were and are, but still aren't. But are never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I agree. I think I think Vancouver is is definitely a team that could that could make a push because, um, you know, I I always like to look at the goal differential for teams that are out of the playoffs and teams that are in the playoffs. And right now, uh, Vancouver has a plus ten goal differential, um, even though they're a few points out. Um, and Edmonton has a even goal differential, and Calgary is negative five. Now, you know, like I said, I think at the beginning of the year I talked about this. I'm not saying this is like some kind of you know obvious thing that always works out. Um, but I, you know, I've noticed over the years that, um, sometimes the teams that start off hot and then, you know, they end up dropping are the teams that, uh, you know, they're, they're in a good position, but then they, they have a pretty bad goal differential and it kind of catches up with them. Um, so yeah, I think Vancouver definitely, um, you asked me before about San Jose. Um, the only question I would have there is, did they also get a, get a goalie? Did he also get an NHL caliber goalie? Because if not, then I don't think it matters who's coaching them. Uh, because their their weakness has been goaltending. They've been let down by their goaltending years and years in a row. And still, they don't have another goaltender. They're still going with the same guys. And it's not going to work. <laughs> so I think that's the problem. I think uh, I, I don't really know enough to know if DeBoer was part of the problem or, you know, you know if the team was... Uh, uh, struggling in spite of what he was doing. Um, but I do know that goaltending has been their biggest uh, stumbling block. And until that gets fixed, then I don't think it's going to matter. Perfect. Succinct. Clear cut. That's what I like. Cut. Print it. <laughs> We're ready to go. Uh, um, yeah. So, yeah. Any any last words before we, uh, before we wrap up? Um. I heard that uh, they're still that they're opening up more sections for the Winter Classic and the Cotton Bowl, so that's exciting. But it's still kind of nice to know and be secure in the fact that it doesn't matter how many sections they open, they'll never be the big house. So, <laughs> yay, yay. Yeah, you're like, yeah. suck it. Yeah. We're, we're bigger. Yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. Okay. So thank you so much for listening. Um, we'll be back at you uh, after the holidays um, with another episode. Like I said, we're trying to get Katie Strang uh, back on. She she definitely wants to do it. Um, but as you can imagine, you know, with her schedule, um, it's it can be tough to coordinate. So um, hopefully we'll have her on next episode. If not, then a an episode in the future coming up. Um, that'll obviously be you know really interesting. I mean, interesting all the time, but especially with the the stuff that's been going on in hockey. That you know, I'm sure she has a lot of really good insight to share. Um, so, uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do that. You can follow me at P Flynn hockey. You can follow Jay at the roar underscore 24. You can follow the podcast at 200 foot pod two zero zero FTPOD. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash for sure pod F E R S U R E P O D. And with the holiday season coming up, you can get some merchandise if you want. You might even be able to get it shipped for Christmas. I don't know. I don't make the, the guarantees on that, but check it out. Um, if you go to tinyurl.com slash first shirt, which is F-E-R-S-H-I-R-T. Uh, when you go to the landing page, you will see our, our, you know, our, our uh, you know, signature T-shirt. But there's also a whole bunch of other stuff in there. Um, there's hoodies. There's uh, iPhone uh, holders there's stickers there's there's all sorts of stuff um so take a look um and who knows I, I don't know for sure but with the holidays coming up they might have a sale um you know take a look and see what see what you see so like i said we will be back in a couple weeks after the holidays so have a wonderful holiday season and stay safe see you soon for sure for sure for sure for sure for sure for sure for sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure.